Okay, Bezrin Hashem, we're continuing speaking about the Kav, the holy line of infinite light, which is extending into our universe and bringing it alive. In the image of the soul, which is a singular essence, yet has the capacity to extend itself out and give life to all the different organs of the body in their particular ways. So the soul is one, it is indivisible, yet it has the potential to express itself in different packages, in different limbs. And it is the limbs themselves which are drawing forth the particular powers of the soul. This is the image of this light of God, of God's uh, power and life-giving energy, which is flowing into the universe, flowing into the space left over by the tzimtzum, by the concealment of infinite light, reaching back into that space and making it develop and grow. So we were learning in this book, Mishnah Chabad, about 100 pages back in the Sefer. We skipped ahead uh, based on, for the sake of brevity, and we're on page 162. So we're talking about the Kav. The Kav is as we said, the extension of Hashem's power, re, uh, extending back into a universe set up with the possibility of constriction after that original infinite light is rolled back, it's being reintroduced slowly to grow out the universe. This reminds me of a well-known Midrash that Rabbi Akiva, when he was entering age 40 and he was about to do tshuva and start to become the greatest rabbi in a sense of all time, um, he didn't really know anything. The one thing that inspired him to do tshuva is he saw little drops of water drip dripping on some stone. And if he says if, and he saw that the little drips of water were slowly boring a hole into the stone. And he says if water, which is soft, but drop by drop, it can bore a hole into this hard stone. So too, I am inspired to see that the words of Torah can slowly, slowly penetrate and break open my stony, hard heart. And to me, this is the image of what we're talking about here, that the universe, which is left behind after Hashem rolls back his infinite light, is like a hard, difficult uh, space, like it's blocked, kind of like our stony hearts, like a heart that's closed up, like Pharaoh's hardened heart is like the is like the state of the entire universe when Hashem's infinity is rolled away from that space. And he does this purposefully so that the idea of his light can slowly re-enter the universe, causing it to slowly develop and take shape in the similar image of what Rabbi Akiva was seeing when he was seeing the drips of water slowly penetrating into the stone and opening it up again. So now we're discussing <clears throat> what is this kav? What is this line of light, which is re- which is Hashem's infinite power that's re-entering the universe, but slowly with definitions, with tremendous boundary, in order that we should have a slowly unfolding experience. So therefore, the kav, this line is con- is compared to a pipe that is collecting water from a great river. That through this idea of a pipe, 
which is concentrating the water, minimizing the water, now the water can flow into tiny little vessels. I'm, I'm always coming to this analogy, and I'm seeing it now everywhere, the analogy of the way that we as human beings are able to harness the tremendous energy of rivers and we can dam up the water. This is how we get electricity. We, there's a huge surge of flowing water. They create a dam. The dam then is taking the energy of the water and minimizing it and minimizing it and minimizing it until it's, it's turning certain turbines or whatever happens till eventually it's pulling out electricity into tiny little wires that light up everything electrical. So this is the image of tikkun. The meaning of tikkun, when we talk about tikkun olam, we're really talking about creating minimizations to be able to harness the power of a very strong energy source to put it into tinier and tinier vessels. So that's literally the creator shows how this works through electricity. Because if the water is going to come straight from the river into these tiny little vessels. It's just going to explode everything and, and wipe them away. They can't take in the river all at once. There's got to be something that minimizes the flow of the river to, to minimize it and minimize it until, until it can finally get into tinier and tinier openings. This also, you can see this in the human anatomy. You look at a heart and it, the heart is pumping blood and the heart is pumping the blood into tinier and tinier uh, arteries and capillaries that are getting into tinier and tinier branches till they can finally be appropriate to give life to this little finger or this little organ or this little cell all over your body. This is how everything is working. So again, we have a system that's taking the, the, the surging river and creating pipes and channels that minimize and minimize and minimize the flow of the water until it can finally be able to appropriately give over the flow and energy of the water into tinier, tinier and tinier receiving vessels. So it must mean that there's uh, the first instantiation of this tikkun, of this minimization, is that the kav, the, the ultimate line, is the ultimate energy of taking the flow of Hashem's endless power and endless ability and placing the initial limitation on its flow into our universe. So it's like one great pipe. It's, this, it's the essence of like one great pipe. One great idea of a minimization. But it's necessarily the fact that from this original energy of placing a pipe, a limitation, a constriction on the flow of energy into our universe, that many, many, many sub-pipes, sub-channels are branching off of this one great channel. Again, in human anatomy, you can picture the image of the spinal cord. The spinal cord is that first uh, structure which is taking the endless same like the oceanic power of the brain our brains are so fantastic and amazing and we're just learning about it scientifically still and it's the first image of literally it's a pipe the spine is a pipe it's taking all the power of the brain and placing the first limitation on it okay a spinal cord we're limiting it from that spinal cord is branching out all the tiny little nerves 
So the spinal cord is like the great nerve, the great idea of a limitation on brain power to say only through a, a channel. We're not getting all brain power all at once. We're now introducing the spine to say that brain power is going to come into the body initially through a limitation. And from that initial introduction of a limitation, which is the spinal cord, further branchings off of that limitation is branching off into smaller nerves and smaller nerves and smaller nerves, similar to the heart and the, and the arteries and the capillaries. You have a question. What's up? Uh, why can't it just be that? It goes straight from the brain in the analogy to the smaller nerves instead of having one central nerve, which smaller things branch up. That's a great question. I don't know. I guess uh, if you were to look forwards or backwards into this discussion of this, which I haven't looked forward, but I have looked backward, the answer might be to organize all the smaller channels that the one great channel, which is like being compared to the spinal cord here, is that all the smaller channels coming off of it, like in the analogy of smaller nerves or smaller arteries and capillaries, the fact that they're all branching off from one central line, one central pipe, is that they are all tied together. In fact, that's, that's going to be his answer in a, in a few pages. It's that they should all be unified under one system. So first you need a great pipe so that all the subpipes flowing off of it are unified because they're all coming off of one pipe. They're unified in their behavior. In fact, that's exactly what he says. Such that even though you have smaller branchings off of this one pipe, but really they are only just expressing the, the one... Uh, the one uh, f uh, movement of the first pipe. See, like, how does this work? Uh, again, I'm not an expert in spinal... Uh, science. I'm not a chiropractor or a doctor or anything. But kind of the, the image as it's described in other writings as well as in this writing, but especially, again, we got to look completely at the Ramak in Alim al-Rabasi, but that every second, if you're talking about, and this is perhaps true, it would, it would make sense based on what they're writing here, the spinal cord the way that it's, it's interacting with the brain is that every second the spinal cord is saying, what are all the brain signals that are going to radiate out into the rest of the body right now? So the spinal cord is then, in, or the image of it, is saying, okay, brain, what's the whole structure of things that you're going to send out into my body? Put it all into me. Right? So each moment, the spinal cord is saying, okay, brain, you can do everything, anything, but I only want you to do this collection of stuff right now. That's what I want you to do. Give me this collection of stuff, of all the stuff you could do. I understand? Brain could do everything, anything for your entire lifetime, but it must be limited to only do certain packages of things moment by moment. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, you'd basically explode, God forbid, right? Mm -hmm. Your body couldn't handle that. That's exactly what he's saying. So spinal cord says, okay, brain, give me just, give me signals and activities for this second. Okay, brain says, you got it, spinal cord. Here's a package of stuff for this second. So spinal cord is basically sending up the signal limitation. Give me only this little package, brain, okay? That's what the spinal cord is doing. Spinal cord says, I can only handle a second's worth of stuff, and I would like this package now. I want, the, I want the package of learning Torah in this moment. 
And an hour later, brain, I need the, I need the package of driving my car now. So right now I want the, the package of learning a, a Torah, learning Torah, okay? Can you give me this moment of learning Torah, brain? Okay? That's what spinal cord is asking from brain. You understand? Mm-hmm. The whole package of that second of learning Torah is now going into the spinal cord. And from the spinal cord, it's distributing into all the other little nerves coming off the spinal cord. So the reason, it's a great question you asked, the reason you need it to first be sent into one great pipe is that it's really one activity, this moment of learning Torah, The spinal cord is actually defining that activity. It's placing the limitation on the brain, saying, oh, this activity is going to be a moment of Torah study. The spinal cord pulls out that whole package of of experience, which is so much information, if we really, we're, we're really, we're blown away by how much that is. And that little package, that moment of Torah study, is pulled out through the, through the nature of the pipe of the spinal column, and then it's distributed into all the other channels, but that means that all the other sub-nerves are coordinating and acting together to do one thing because they're just getting distributions of one signal coming from the brain so that all the activities are organized. When a person is having a pleasurable experience in life, The reason that is, is because they're not distracted. When you're alive in the present moment, it means you're fully able to do the activity you're doing. You're not thinking about something else going on over here or over there. When when we feel pain and we feel bothered, it's because we feel like, okay, brain, I want a Torah moment. Oh, I just got distracted by something else. And you're constantly flipping forward between activities. It's a very big challenge. This, this is really called das, right? The definition of das, as it's brought, is where all the spherot, or you might say all the limbs, all the, all the elements of a system are totally plugged into what's going on. That they're fully experiencing how they're all working together in one experience. Their mind isn't going this way and that. It means that the whole body is plugged into and experiencing how the, the full experience, the totality of it, is tied together. That's the, really the point of the, this, the idea of the spinal column. That's the point of this line that we're talking about. Mm-hmm. All right. Even though there are many, many sub-pipes coming off of the one great pipe, or again, many, many sub-nerves coming off of the spinal column. There's a million examples, but the main content, the thing we really care about is the flow of water through the pipes. Or as it literally is described in Kabbalistic writings, that the flow of wisdom or the flow of, of godly light is also being compared to water flowing through many pipes. As the, as the verses are saying, Ein Maim Torah, the only real water is Torah. So the main thing, though, is the stuff in the pipes, the water. Here's another tremendous point. What, that content, that which is flowing through these pipes, is the energy of infinity coming from the great river. It's still the same power, it's still the same stuff as, as, as limitless water or, or ain't self light, limitless light, 
but it's, ma- it's miraculously getting inside of tinier and tinier pipes. So that this is what we're saying, that Ein Sof light, God's endless power and ability, is like an endless ocean of water. It's called that. Or like, or like a, a, a huge raging river of endless power. And the, and the function of the Kav, this first instantiation of the Tzimtzum, on the light, the first instance of placing a boundary on the flow of Ein Sof light into this world is it's taking from that endless light of Ein Sof and formatting that light that it should be able to relate to the worlds. And the worlds are like those organs of the body or those tinier and tinier vessels, uh, say, of electrical wires or little computer chips. So the kav is what is placing uh, the first limitation on the flow of light, flow of energy, flow of existence, flow of light, to format it to fit into the vessels and all the vessels. And it's one pattern of limitation which gets holographically and fractally split off into all the different receiving vessels. That's a huge point to understand. In other words, you have a whole body system of, of organs and vessels that need to receive life force energy from the soul. You have a whole computer system with all these different particular parts that need to receive electricity, that need to receive information. The, the, or you have a whole brain which needs to light up a body. The, the image of the line, the image of the kav, is that every second it's placing a different pattern of limitation on infinite light and that pattern is formatting the light for this moment, and this moment, and this moment. And then from that pattern of limitation, there's a distribution into all the particular limbs and vessels of the system. Such that what every little organ or, or vessel is getting at any different time is being tied together and unified by the fact that one great measuring line is placing one unified pattern of experience on the light itself. So that when your finger is getting a certain bit of energy and your toes are getting a different bit of energy and your heart is getting another bit of different energy, don't say that what your finger and toe and heart are getting are not related to each other. They're totally related to each other. Because the body at any given second is getting a different overall pattern from the light of the soul, which is the concept of Ein Sof, to the body, compared to the body, the light of the soul is endless. So it's like Ein Sof. We're talking about relative orders of infinity. This is also a major principle in in the deeper wisdoms that there are many, many levels of reality And each time you go up to a higher level of reality, that level of reality is compared to the lower level, infinite. That's why there needs to always be at every intersection point between levels of reality uh, a tsimsum, a constriction, to take the infinity of the higher level and pare it down into a certain pattern in order to give down to the lower level. The kav is the ultimate pattern. 
for the entire universe. And the really crazy, wild thing that'll blow your mind is that that one pattern is in everyone's patterns. The pattern of how you are getting light from your soul into your body is bound up with mine, is bound up with his, is bound up with hers, because all of those patterns of how to format the light are really coming under one great pattern, and that's what we're talking about. It's called the measuring line. And that one great pattern is, as we said, tying together all the different patterns of how everything is getting distributed light under one great pattern of distribution. So it's not just that when you look at your own experience that there's a pattern of distribution of how the, the infinite light of my soul is getting distributed into all the organs of my body. That pattern is really just a sub-pattern of how is humanity getting the light of Hashem. And all of those patterns are just sub-patterns and greater patterns, and it's really all one pattern all the time, every moment of existence. That's called the line. That's what the Kav is. One thing you just brought in here is that all the different possible patterns of this great measuring line, which would ever be in play, were already established in the original way Hashem set up the world. But that's already getting, this is getting very complicated indeed, and I'm not going to explore that right now. Well, the etzem, who hamshacha the bechines, or himself a All right, but this is important. We have the, the measuring line. We're talking about the great line. The great spinal cord of existence, if you want to call it that, as an analogy, okay? Our spinal cords are metaphors, our conglomerations, our physicalizations of this principle, of a, spir- a huge spiritual thing, which is like governing the entire universe, the way that the spinal cord is kind of governing your entire experience of life. The point to remember, though, is always the content of what is flowing through this great pipe splitting off into all the little pipes, the content inside, the water inside, the life force inside, is always of the quality of endless light, is always of the quality of Ein Sof. It's Hashem's endless will, His, his limitless power of, of giving existence that is just getting formatted by these pipes. But the stuff inside is Hashem's endless power. So, that it's always the endless power of, of the creator that's always in activation. It's just that through this line, he's placing limitations on his endless power, but the actual content inside is still endless power. Mm-hmm. And this is why there's a beautiful Kabbalistic hint that the word for pipe, Sinor, is the same gematria, is the same numerical value of Shemo, his name. That the verse, that the, that the um, um, Midrash is saying, that in the beginning of creation, there was only Hashem and His name existing alone. So what was there at the beginning of creation? There was God in His 
expression of endless power, which is Ein Sof. And in the same point of experience, his name was also there. What was his name? His name was the great line, the great measuring line, the great uh, preparations within Hashem's will and power, so to speak, of all the different lines of limitation and pattern that he would place on his endless light in the flow out of our universe. So when the Midrash is saying, in the beginning, God was alone with his name, it's saying that God's endless power was existing, getting ready to pour into this certain idea of lines and measurements, which is called his name. Because why is, the, why is this line, why, is it, why are all these potential patterns of limitation on light called his name? Because the name is the expression of, of, of the creator, that through these the, all these different possible patterns of limitation, we would get to know the Creator. So that's His name. And so we're saying that we talk about the Sfirot. Here's a fascinating point to understand. This is very, very deep. He's saying now that the spherot, what are the spherot? Those holy divine vessels of expression. The spherot are, are the vet in, in their essence as spherot. The spherot are really vessels that are receiving the light and the water, so to speak, coming from, these pi- from this great pipe into all its subpipes. That's like a huge thing to understand. In other words, what we can imagine the sphero as now are vessels which get filled in with content, with light, with energy to, to grow out and expand. You look at a, a growing uh, human being. You look at a growing person. There are, there are it's literally said, there, the sphero of that body is that first he's a tiny little baby, and then he's growing. The spherot are the vessels that are going to capture the light of his soul and, and, bre- and draw it into themselves to cause the growing forth of the child. The spherot are, are now being imagined and expressed to us as vessels which need to get filled in. Just like... You have a one. You have a little baby heart. It needs to grow into an adult heart. You have a little baby brain. It needs to grow into an adult brain. The sphere out here are now imagined as those vessels which are pulling in the light of growth, the light of the soul, the light of life, that they should cause the expansion of the body, because they are the vessels that are going to capture the light of of existence for the growth of that body. That's what the sphere out are. So. On a grand universal scale, when there was the great simsum, when there was the great pulling back of endless energy from the universe itself, the thing that was left over was a mini, mini spherot. And these mini, mini spherot are going to govern the way that the endless light is going to pour back into them to cause them to grow, very much like an organism. So that there's a sphera, there's every minute there are spherot of possible experiences that are getting filled back in when we're having experience in life.
History itself is now imagined as an organism that needs to grow, and the spherot are plotting the map of what needs to get the light ro uh, rolling and flowing back into them to push out this moment, and this moment, and this moment. That's what we're seeing the spherot as now. Okay, again, this is a fantastic book because he says so much and so little. He's saying now something so huge in just two lines. This is called Mishnah Chabad. He's literally giving Mishnayot. He, he, did, he did a huge thing. He's taking the entire Korbus of Chabad on these topics and he's breaking them down into to tiny points because you see all these footnotes down here. These are from all the Chabad Rebbe's. So he did a huge thing. He did a huge thing, and he's, and he's breaking it all down and organizing it, kind of like the way the Rambam took all of Halacha and, and, and just put it in order. That's exactly what he's doing, and he's just going down the Seder Ishtashlis. This is a very, very great book. Now, Right, Right, there's the Hiuli, the common, that we're going to explain in chapter 4 that even when there are sub-pipes branching off of the one great pipe of existence every minute, they are only the, the hylic uh, ethereal source of potential individualized lights, but they don't actually come out as particular lights until... I think he's going to say they actually get dressed up in a certain vessels. Did you have a question on why Sphero, uh, how I was describing the Sphero? Alright. It's great stuff, I'm not gonna explain that. Yud, okay, Mishnah Yud. Umina Kata Nimshak Bakhuv. You do the Bakhmbir and Orient Sabakir of Makum by Nabigili or Rav as in Shakh and Lamabis and Tivis Khachma in Sinar Ham Shakh and Machma Elapina. Alright. All right, I'll explain this a little bit here. The, the, one of the main functions of this line, of this measuring line, is to be the concept of drawing out into the 32 paths of wisdom. And also, So we talk about 32 paths of wisdom and the 50 gates of understanding. So basically, we can just understand that uh, we're talking about how information is getting drawn out into these mystical 32 paths and 50 gates, which, which is an image of distribution of intelligence or energy into smaller and smaller channels. All right. All right, now we're just going to give a few beautiful mashalim, a few beautiful examples to drive these homes, drive these ideas home and some images and analogies. You 
here. Okay, the point is, all drawings forth of the essential life-giving power of the flow of Ein Sof, which is compared to water, or compared to um, life, or signals coming from the idea of the brain, so to speak, it has to be split up into tinier and tinier channels, such that the endless light of Ein Sof can even flow out into the world of Asiya, which is literally compared to in Kabbalistic literature as like the most uh, peripheral points of the body. Like, it, like it's literally said that the higher worlds are compared to the more and more internalized organs. Like a higher world is more like the heart or the brain or the internal organs and lower worlds are compared more and more to like the tips of the fingers and the skin on the surface of the body. So just as when you look at the body, you see that the blood needs to get, uh, the blood needs to flow through tinier and tinier arteries and capillaries in order to finally give out to the most peripheral items, like the farther out you go into the surface of the body, so therefore the flow of blood needs to get tinier and tinier and more limited. But when you go closer and closer into the body, you see that there can be more blood with, with you know, wider pipes going into the, the, the more internal parts of the body. And the same thing with the nervous system. The more into the body you go, the more nerve energy, the more electrical impulse energy it can get versus when you go uh, more and more external to the more surface areas of the body so the nerves have to get tinier and tinier. It's that way also with the universe itself. When you talk about going lower and lower and more outside and more outside into the world of Asiya, you're saying that, effectively the light that is being channeled through these tinier and tinier pipes has to get more and more pared down in order to ultimately light up even that aspect of the world of Asiya, which is like being compared to the more and more outside parts of the body. Okay. Fine. I'm going to skip a little of that. All right. Mission good base. Okay. All right, we'll stop here. All right, well, this is the last thing we're going to explain. Mission Yid Base. Well, this is really, really nice. So one more analogy here. We've been talking about um, the analogy of water flowing into and lighting up tinier and tinier, wider, tinier and tinier wires of electricity or the idea of how the body is lighting itself up into tinier and tinier nerves or arteries and capillaries. He gives one more nice example or analogy. Another way of understanding this great pipe, this great line, this great pattern of limitation is to think about a road, a highway. That what's the point of a highway or, or a great road? It's to go from the capital of the city into all the different sub-cities scattered across the country. You have the capital city, and then you take the great highway to go off into the tinier and tinier villages, Right? Alright, that's what we said. Now listen to this great point though. This is a fantastic Rav who wrote this book because he packs so much into one sentence. I'm being long-winded because I'm trying to explain really he's saying so much. Listen to this. 
mitchabrim mitkashrim kulam el habira, that because there's one great pathway, there's one great highway coming from the capital city, and it's splitting off and branching off into smaller and smaller roads into all the other cities all over the country. This connects all the different little cities to the capital, to the to, to the capital city. Because in the capital city is the place where all the commands and all the organization of the entire country is coming forth. All the laws, all the commerce. The capital city is like the, the place where there's the palace, where there's the, 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 the centralization of command, like the head government, which is organizing everything in the country. So that's, this is the source of power. And listen to this now. Listen to this very, very carefully. What's the idea of a king? The idea, listen to this very, very carefully. The idea of a king, the idea of a ruler, he's, he's ruling in his capital city, sitting in his palace. The king has the crown. The king has the kasser, which means that the king could, could theoretically, if he's a true king, do anything. The king could do anything. That's his connection to the concept of Ein Sof. The king could do anything. If the people have fully made him his king, like a Jewish king, an Israeli king, you rebel against the king. As long as the king is keeping the Torah, what's the Torah? The Torah is the line. You understand that? The Torah is the pipe on the king. What does the king have to do? The king must have, it says this very clearly, more than anyone else, the king has to be a double scholar. He has to have two Torahs. He's got to have one at home and one when he goes out. The Torah is the, is the measuring line and the limitations on the king. Because the king, just as a king with no filter, is all endless power. All keter. And he's sitting in the capital city. What's the Torah? The Torah is the measuring line. Okay, king, how are you going to rule over your whole city now and now and now? And the Torah is telling him, you're ruling the country. I'm... Pl- it's placing limits and patterns on your power that you should successfully rule over all the other branchings off of your power. And that you should connect all the cities to your capital, to your kingship, that everything should be run smoothly in an integrated fashion. The Torah is telling him how you can rule over all the cities, all the villages, all the different locations in a unified way. So that your power is channeled everywhere perfectly to what everything needs and t- is tying all of them together and unifying them in one kingdom. Okay. This is the line. This is really what the Torah is. And this is what we're talking about. Any questions? Do you say that and also like the Nasi of the door or the Tzadikim are the same idea of the Kaf? Yeah. Or, or that Sadiqim certainly help us to plug into the Kav, mm-hmm. plug into the Torah. The Sadiqim are just helping every Yid attach to the Torah as strongly as he can. And he's, you see, because every person really is a Melech. Everybody has Malchus. Everybody has the, a piece of the Creator in him that he himself is like an extension of Hashem, that Hashem has free will, and we have free will. So the tzaddik is helping you to say, yes, the tzaddik is like the nasi. He's like really the king of, of, 
of Israel, and God willing, Mashiach should come, he'll be our king. The Mashiach's not coming to just take away everybody's kingship. Mashiach is, help, is coming to help everybody fully become their aspect of the king, fully attached to their aspect of Melech. Because everybody has every aspect. So the king is helping us to connect to the Torah so that we should properly rule our little kingdoms. Our body is, is literally called a kingdom. It's called Ir Katana. It's called a little city in, in the verses in Ecclesiastes. Uh, that, that it says, it says, there's a verse that Chachma Tanu Oz Chacham Yoter Asar Shlitim Asher Hayubi'ir. That the ruler of a city has more power and effect from wisdom than all the other ten minister, ministers ruling over his city. The, the, the Siddiquim are telling us that's talking about you. You are a king that is, is ruling from a capital city over many small cities. That's your body. But really, by extension, your whole existence in this world, in this life, like you, everybody has malchus. And as you get older and you get married and you start a family, your kingdom is expanding. And it's saying that chachma is the critical piece. If you have chachma, it's like, if you have wisdom, it's like worth all the other powers combined. Why? Because Torah mechachma nafkat. It says that to, it's telling you this in Chabad Sfarim, in the Kabbalistic Sfarim, that the, the real. The real energy of Torah is the energy of Chachma, because Chachma is the ultimate pattern that is placing a certain wise limitation on endless, boundless will to make it appropriate to rule over from the capital city all the other small cities. So the verse is saying in Kohelet that if you got a bunch of wisdom, you're going to be able to rule over your life properly, because you're going to be attached to the energy of this one great measuring line helping you to effectively rule over what is part of your malchus. And that all of us should properly take care of our own smaller kingdoms, that really we should be now acting in line with the great Melech, the Mashiach, who is really only coming to make Hashem the Melech, Hashem the King, that if you're acting as a proper you know, nobleman with his own kingship, it's because you're plugging it into the great kingship. Right? We said all the we said, like, everybody's particular way of, of distributing energy in their life is, is, is properly done when it's plugged into the one great system. That's, does that make sense? That's what the Nasi is coming to help you do. Mm-hmm. All right. Any other questions? No. All right.